and to tell their story in their own words. And uh, to, you know, we have a nice panel here. I see Philip is here, and uh, Bill's here, uh, but he's working. However, he is available for comments. Uh, Lori is here. She's from PA. She was from New York. My girl moved to PA. Yes, she did. And of course, I'm here. So everyone's here. The number here is 646-595-2118. That's 646-595-2118. If you want to call in and be a part of the panel or ask some questions or offer some of your own information, we're right here. And if you can talk on the phone, you can talk on this phone, okay, on this show, because we're all laid back, okay, and uh, we've all been through it all, and um, we're easy to talk to. So now I'm going to get my guest on. Lang, tell us your story, and then we'll talk about what you're doing today. Well, our story is, um, you know, first of all, all praise go to God. And um, mm-hmm. and the story begins um, with a pastor from um, my church, Dove Ministries. And I thought God forsaken me, and he said, uh, Actually, I, I walked up the long driveway, and this gentleman was, uh, he was painting, and uh, he saw me, and he said, what's your name? And I said, Lang. And he said, my name's Gil, Pastor Gil. And I said, how you doing, sir? And I said, can I use your bathroom? And he said, sure, Lang. And I said, Pastor, I said, uh, I don't have any more drugs on me. I want to disrespect the house like that. I just, I just need to get cleaned up. And uh, I got to get out of here. So I remember I went into the bathroom and being on methamphetamine, you kind of wipe out bathrooms, you know, water's everywhere. And you want to wash some clothes and put them in the backpack. And that's before you go out and do what I did. And, and what I did is uh, I was a thief. I was, uh, I was a thief. I stole from stores to, uh, to take care of my habit. So I remember I was in that bathroom and Pastor Gill kept me. Hey, there? Yeah. He kept knocking on the door and, uh, Lang, are you okay? And, uh, I'm okay. And I, I would yell out to him. I said, I, I, I swear, I swear to God, Pastor, I'm not doing drugs. He goes, I believe you, Lang. I, I just want to check on you. And I came out of the bathroom and he asked me if I was hungry and, uh, he gave me a sandwich. And uh, he gave me his uh, his lunch. I didn't have any socks on, and uh, he took off his shoes, and uh, he gave me his socks. And then after he did that, I, I didn't have a hairbrush, and uh, he gave me his hairbrush. And I had warrants out for me that time, and uh, he said, Lang, uh, you should probably go turn yourself in. And I said, that's not the way it works, Pastor uh, how it works is, uh, you know, catch me if you can. And he said, can I pray for you before you go? I said, yeah. I said, but I got to tell you, I said, uh, you know, I sleep at churches, and the reason I sleep at churches is I want to let God know what he's done to me. He said, God didn't do anything to you, Lang. You did this to yourself. You made, you made these decisions, and you can make the decision if you surrender to him, he'll help you. 
And we were outside, and after we prayed, he said, Lang, uh, I want you to do something. I said, what's that? He said, uh, look up. And I looked up, and before I looked up, I saw his eyes. And I wanted to see what he saw. So I ended up uh, going to L.A., and uh, I was down on on Vernon and Western in a real bad neighborhood in a shelter. And every day somebody would die. Every day there was helicopters, there was prostitution. Uh, it, It was a bad scene. Well, that day was July 25th. I ended up getting to a program, and uh, I said, God, if you save my life, I'll give it all back to you. And that was July 25th, 2018, and I ended up getting into a program called uh, Acton. The reason why I ended up in L.A. is there wasn't anything available for me to get into in Ventura County, and we'll get to that. So I ended up getting into that program, and uh, when I got out of the program, I wanted to go back to that pastor, and I went back to Dub Ministries, and I ran into my pastor, Pastor Lou Rogers. I'm a member of that church today. And I said, hey, it's, it's Pastor Gill here, and Pastor Lou didn't recognize me. You're laying, and yes, sir, can you tell him I came by? So the gentleman that actually helped me, Ron Freeman, I was working for him across the street from a place called Plaza Park. And it was like 60, 70 homeless people in this park, right across the street from a place of a gentleman that gave me an opportunity and was also part of my life, Ron Freeman. And I get this call at my office, and uh, Pastor Gill says, are you, are you working today? I said, yeah, I'm working. He says, well, I don't see you. And I go, where are you? He says, I'm over at the Starbucks. He said, come outside, Lang. So he had to run around the back. I'd go around the back, and then in the front of the building, you face Plaza Park, and there was lots of homeless there. Pastor Gill stood next to me, and he had his Starbucks, and uh, he wanted to meet Ron. And he said, Lang, uh, look. And I, and I was looking. You know, I just, I think I had like 60, 70 days in sober. And he goes, look, I really don't want to look, Pastor Gill. No, I want you to look, Lang. So I looked. I said, that, that's not going to happen to me anymore. And he said, no, Link. That's your calling. And I said, no, not, I said, no, not me. And he looked, at me, he looked at me and he smiled. And uh, through the word of God, Pastor Gill knew that I would become a voice for the homeless and a voice for God and to share my story and become an advocate in in Ventura County and other areas. And uh, that's sort of where the story goes, you know, and I got involved, uh, I got involved in the church and uh, I surrendered. And uh, as we know, I, the first thing I did was uh, I started speaking in council meetings and I ended up in a documentary called Humanizing the Homelessness in Oxnard. Uh, May 9th, 2019. And then my first article went out, uh, that was May 9th. My first article went out to Nobody Knows But Me series. Nobody Knows But Me. My, my you know, homelessness in Plaza Park, or I can't remember, there's been so many. And uh, I started fighting for the services that were lacking in Ventura County. 
And, um, you know, I had sobriety three times, five years. And, uh, and people would always ask me uh, why the five years. And I'd say because of the pain. But I did have the five years, you know, but I didn't surrender. So in my last relapse, being in Ventura County, I did everything possible to get myself the help that I needed. I knew that what was going on inside my head was broken. I, I knew that things were not real that I was seeing. I, I, I knew that at the age of 55 and what I was doing was not rational. It wasn't the, the thinking of, as we say, a normal person or a person who is productive in society. And it, it didn't exist. And, you know, I know a lot of those people are listening tonight, and I'm glad they are. So I start fighting for services and smoking the panel, and, and then uh, I start getting recognized by, by engagements, outreach, different articles were going out, and I started getting involved. And, you know, I, I ended up getting involved with, uh, you know, city officials all the way up. Mm-hmm. So That's good. Mm-hmm. So to go back to uh, the pain before we get into it is people would say, why the five years, you know, three times. And uh, I talked about the word surrender. And surrender means to submit to God. I never knew about God the way that I'm learning now. I don't claim to know what I should. I don't do the work that I should. I pray every day, and I believe that he's real. I've seen it, and I believe truly that not just myself, that there was many miracles, but I believe that I am a miracle. But the question was to me is, again, was why the five years, and I I said because of the pain. And, and, And the pain was the sexual abuse, the rape that I realized that did happen to me that was so far suppressed that that by what went through as far as the situations of being downtown LA and where I was at and the trauma and the things that I seen there brought back memories of what happened to me and I, I knew what the pain was. And I, I was sexually abused and I was raped as a young man at the age of seventeen years old. So that also became part of um, you know, my advocacy. I, I I'm part of not just uh, a NASCAR member but I happen to be one of the oldest uh, children of the night. I'm, I'm part of an organization under the umbrella of uh, Dr. Lois Lee of Children of the Night, and they've been there as well for me. Let me yes, ask ma'am. you something. Let's, let, let's go back a little bit, okay? Because sure. all these things that you're talking about are wonderful. Okay, I'm so proud of you. You should be proud of yourself, too. You've come such a long way. And... Um, uh, you know, when you look backwards, I don't know how often you look backwards to when you were 17 years old. Um, I know it's a very painful time in your life because those of us who have been sexually abused, which are most people on NASC, I'm not going to say all people, because it's physical, sexual, emotional, neglect, okay, as we say in the uh, mission statement. Um, and what has its own trauma, it's all trauma, that's what it is, it's trauma. Now, I remember with myself, and and I certainly know my friends, we all got into alcohol and drugs, and uh, many times we ended up out in the street. I didn't want to go home because of being sexually abused there by my brother. I wouldn't say that at one time on this show. It took me years to do it, and Bill will tell you that, because I was so afraid of him, okay? And um, 
he was only one of my abusers. So I had all these nightmares, all these terrible nightmares of, of trying to exist in a world that was far from perfect. Now, I had to find my own way in life. Can you tell Can you tell me a little bit about um, your family life? Like, what kind of family? People are going to wonder, what kind of family uh, did you come from? Was the abuse in your family? Um, I think it's 68%. I just saw that. I was doing research, which I do a lot of. It, a lot of it's in the family, okay? And um, yeah. uh, unfortunately, that's the case many times. Was yours in the family, or was it inside and outside of the family, like many of us, myself included? Um, where did your abuse start? Well, you know, I think I think my my abuse, uh, you know, started uh, right right away. Uh, I was never sexually abused. Um, by my family. I was assaulted by family members. You know, uh, my mom, you know, we talked about this before. My my mom was, uh, be- my mom was beautiful. And uh, my mom was uh, 15 and a half years old. And, and the comment that I'll make that my father makes, my mom kind of falls in place with the story of, of my life and many others like me, survivors. And I'll get to that. My mom was walking down Manchester Boulevard, and she was going to Westchester High. And my father, very good-looking man, Horacio Martinez, part of uh, my family is connected to the La Pignon newspaper. And my mom was walking down the street, and um, my father pulled over in his new car, and he was 18. And um, and um, my my father said to my mother, "Would you like some candy, little girl?" And um, my mom ended up in a relationship, and she got pregnant when she was young with me, you know, actually after the first month of uh, meeting my father. So, but my mom, because of the way she looked, you know, the the whole story with my mom is that my mom came from something broken, too. So, you know, my mom, at the age of 14, 15, you know, I was told that uh, she was able to go and she was able to go in the bars and, you know, we're not going to get into that subject about my mother. But my mother came nice. from brokenness as well. So when my mom had me, or when my mom was pregnant with me, my mom, my grandmother, and my great-grandmother were both in their lives, and, and uh, my father. And uh, my mother was seven months pregnant with me, and her mother died, my grandmother. And uh, my mom, I, I think I got a lot of my voice and the the way that I am for my mother is my mom was seven months pregnant with me and when my grandma died, my mom ended up walking into a church and uh, the church was packed, I was told. And my mom said, uh, there is no effing God. And and F God. My mom was, you know, she was hurt and she couldn't understand and being a child as it's part of my advocacy, and it'll, it'll wrap around, I think, is uh, my mom blamed it on God. You know, why would you take my mother now, especially when I'm pregnant with life? So after my mom had me, my mom, you know, my, my father married my mother, and uh, and then my great-grandmother was in, you know, my mom's life and my life. And my, my father was uh, very vain, and uh, he wanted my mother to lose weight. And he, you know, put locks on the refrigerator and wanted to go outside and do exercises. And uh, my father, you know, 
pulled up in the car with uh, other pulled up in the car on the driveway with other women. And uh, my mom wasn't going to take that. So she was close to 17, and she wasn't going to take that. And she walked away. She grabbed my, my great-grandma, and there was still some money left from a, from a home sale. And they went and got an apartment. And uh, my mom took my grandmother, my great-grandmother and me, and my mom learned how she used to say, I, I slung ash for you, Lang. She went to jobs, you know, as a waitress and, uh, and took care of my great-grandmother. And then my, my father came into my life, my stepfather, but he is my father. His name's Gary. And uh, I was only one and a half years old, two years old. And I think my mom wanted to marry the first man that paid attention, not just to her, but a man that she thought would be a father in my life. And she ended up marrying him. So at that time, uh, you know, growing up, I grew up uh, in a family with the last name of Huff. And you got to remember, my my father, my last name is Martinez, so me being Mexican, I was raised in a family that uh, they all knew who I was, but I didn't know who I was. And uh, they were alcoholics, and they were raving lunatics. And uh, but I do want to make it clear because I know the listeners, and there's certain people listening. My father never put his hands on me. My my father never put his hands on my mother. He did the best to take care of the family, you know, my, me, my brother, and my sister, but it just, uh, it, it just wasn't right. You know, I had the uncles that, uh, the uncle Skip that beat me, and I had uh, the grandfather that when they would babysit, and he was finding an excuse to put hands on me, and uh, I really didn't know why until I, basically, until later, but when I turned 11 years old, my, my Aunt Sandy, who I had a crush on, she was blonde hair and blue eye, Aunt Sandy and uh, my cousin Rodney. And uh, we were playing slot car tracks. And uh, my Aunt Sandy made a comment about the mailman being Rodney's father. And I said, what does that mean, Aunt Sandy? And she said, my brother Gary's not, not your dad. And I didn't understand. And she said, you're a Mexican. Your 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 name is Martinez. And your father's name is close to a Horace. My my father's name's Horacio Horace. She said Horace, and it started then. It started then, and then um, I went home and I cried. And my father Gary took me in the room, and he told me, and he told me at that time I am his son. And he did the best he could. You know, we we talked about that years later. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's sort of what I grew up in. You know, it, it's funny how these get passed on. As uh, I have a I have a grandfather from my mom's side. His name's Tom, and my son's name middle name's Tom too. And and my mom loved me so much that uh, that uh, in regards to my grandfather, that uh, he would come and visit on the weekends. And uh, he was a Secret Service man. He was the youngest person to ever become a Secret Service. And he actually per- protected uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He's also the first to get a dishonorable discharge for his drinking. Mm-hmm. And my mom uh, would let this man come to the house. We would pick him up down in Inglewood on Market Street, and he'd come to the house. And you know, we had a small house, and, uh, and I remember finding the bottle one time, and I dumped it out, and I brought it back in, and he he went berserk. 
Then he calmed down and he got a, he had a reality check and he said, "Come here, son." And he said, uh, "Please understand that uh, once I chose the alcohol, the, the alcohol chose me." And uh, you know, Grandpa snuck out and got another bottle and you know he'd give me quarters so I'd go play pinball at Shaky's Pizza. But I'll get to that too in a second. So we'll go back to my mother. When my mother left my father, I'm Bibi and Martinez and coming from a wealthy family. My my family tried to adopt me from my mother and my mom wouldn't give me up. She said, uh, she called me little Lang back then. She says, I'm gonna be take I'll take care of Lang. And uh they offered to pay her money and say Lang would have a better life and uh, you know what Lang would go to college and Lang would have the best of everything. And my mom said, you know, that's not what it was about. My my mom took care of me and that's when, you know, my mom ended up getting that marriage. Let's go back to my grandfather as we moved in here so uh, and that wraps around our stories is uh my mom was dying and before uh she died, uh, I was back in my addiction and I let her down and um and she looked at me and she had cancer. And she said, you haven't been here for me. All you think about is your effing drugs. And, and your grandfather that you love so much, I want to tell you about your grandfather, Lang. And I said, Mom, I love you. You can't stay here, Lang. I know I need to be here to take care of you. You can't stay here. And I want to tell you about your grandfather, Lang. That MFer used to rape me. But you loved that son of a bitch so much, and he was your hero. I used to let him come to this house, and I looked at my mom, and I was so upset, but I was also upset that I couldn't be there for my mom. But when my mom told me that, you know, I understood a lot about how much my mom loved me. And you know, it's funny, through, through God and the gift of my mother's love, my sobriety date is July 25th, 2018. Mm-hmm. And about a year into my sobriety, somebody said to me, uh, do, you, do you know the date your mom died? Have you ever, you know, is there pictures of your mom? I, I don't have any. And mm-hmm. somebody ended up looking at... Uh, the, her thing when she died, they found it on Google, and they said, like, why don't you go outside and read it? Well, I was in prison when my mom died. I didn't know the date. I, I knew it was 2010. And I went outside, and I read it, and it said, uh, my mom died July 25th, 2010. And I knew right then again, one more time, that God was real. Because that was a gift. See, God chooses what he takes us. And my mom had cancer, and God chose to take my mom on July 25th, 2010. My sobriety date is July 25th. People say to me, Lang, you knew that. And I said, no. Well, come on, Lang, you didn't know when your mom died? No, I didn't. And then my rebuttal, my answer would be, well, if I did know how the date that my mom died, that's the date that I ended up in a county program called Acton, which is July 25th. Mm -hmm. Only only God can maneuver something like that. 
I got into acting on July 25th, 2018. And my mom, I found out later, passed out, passed away on July 25th. You know, I did go to church. I did go to parochial school. You know, I've had sobriety. I've had successes. And, and, and I never really, really, really believed in God himself. It was so much about, can you see him? Can you touch him? Yeah, yeah. I saw, I, 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 I know, and that was my way of God telling me that he's real. There well, are, so many people, so many people, like, I'll let you to compose yourself for a second. And then I want to go to the panel because I know people want to ask you questions. Um, so many people, like, what do they call it in the Bible? The Doubting Thomas. I know the Bible, I read from page one to whatever it goes to. And um, you have to have faith, you know. But to me, it's the only thing that makes any sense because I don't believe we came from the ocean. Sorry. I don't believe we came from this and that. I believe in God. And um, I've had experiences myself in my life which helped me to get to where I am today that if it wasn't for God, I'd be dead three times over. So I understand that. And, And, you know, so many times people blame God, and really they should either, like they say, like something I was just reading before the show, or like you said, too, that somebody told you, you have to look at yourself. You know, you are the master of the ship, okay? You're you're the captain. On the other hand, we have to go through a lot of things before we become captain. So I have a way of, I can blame certain people in my life. Do I, do, do I forgive them? No. That's <laughs> just me lying, all right? Because they knew what yeah. they were doing. Okay. When a person knows what they're doing, then I expect an apology from them. Now, I've tried on several people in my family over the years, and uh, they just said, you liked it. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. Started when I was a kid, a little kid. No one likes it. So it leaves their terrible scars. You know, it leaves their terrible scars on children, and they grow up. And and uh, they get into all kinds of risky behavior. You know, a lot of them do end up in prison. Um, the stats even today talk about people who have been in prison, um, a huge percent more the women than the men, but um, were, you know, sexually abused as a child. It doesn't always have to be sexual abuse. It can be neglect, physical, mental, emotional, and that's why all of them fit on this show, okay? Because so, you had made a comment where you said you weren't actually sexually abused, um, you know, through your family. And yet you're talking about some people uh, in the family, I thought, correct me if I'm wrong, that had their hands in inappropriate places. Um, That's a form of sexual abuse as well. It's just that, okay, they didn't enter you, but they did abuse you, all right? So that in itself is, is abuse. So you see, you're you're a guy that was abused as a child in all different kinds of ways, and uh, well, finally sure. at the age of 17, okay, you were actually sexually abused. Let me bring on let me bring on the panel here. I'm going to go from the top, okay, and go down. We sure. have Lori, who is now as of um, as one of our NASCAR people in Pennsylvania. She was in New York like me. Now she's in PA. Lori, how you doing? I'm doing okay. Yeah, I'm glad I came on. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's wonderful to meet you. 
this is uh, my first night in. There are a couple of things I do know about um, that are, I don't know, will help you, I hope. Not didn't help me much on this end because I had to go through it. But I ended up in heaven um, on a couple of occasions. Um, mine was, I was like an attempted murder and my throat got crushed and I choked. So there were a couple of times that I end up, there is definitely a heaven and there is definitely a God. And it's almost like a working field up there because everybody is doing something. And there are chosen people to do certain things. They have to go through sometimes the worst, like you, um, to walk them forward into what you're doing. Um, It's a horrible trip to make, but in the end, it's like it was chosen for you. We really don't choose our own lives because I'm sure one of us would choose to be in the predicaments that we were. so you're going along schedule. It just might not be your schedule, but um, you're doing it. You're actually doing it. And all the things that you've done in your past for reasons that happened to you, that's also part of the play. Um, you know, if somebody is abused, of course, they're going to act out. And if stealing, whatever, you know, was helping you with the drugs at that time you thought, that's what you were going to do. Because you had a lot of anger issues. I mean, you had major identity issues, um, every other kind of abuse. So it's not a big thing um, where it ended up. I mean, I can hear from your voice, you're in a lot of pain. And it really does get right to my heart. And uh, that's where I connect on you. Uh, You're going to make it. I know you are. Um, I am so very happy. Also, I was just so very happy that that meth did not kill you and all this stuff. Um, Today especially, I just found out my uh, nephew died of an overdose. So hearing you, hearing you saying you survived, um, it's just good to hear. So, yeah. yeah. I'd like to clarify one thing. I'm, what you hear is uh, what you hear from me is a story. And you, I hear uh, what you hear from me is uh, I am free. I, I am happy. You know, I do deal. I, you know, I am in. I'm in therapy. Uh, you know, I am free. You know, as far as what happened to me, I'm, I'm caught. You know, I'm in the forgiveness thing. And what I try to do is I, I try to help people through my story. You know, it talks about Romans verse three through five. So it's not only so, but we also glory in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy, Holy Spirit that has been given to us. You know, that, that verse, you know, the suffering, you know, and the perseverance and the character and the hope, you know, I, I believe that there's hope for everyone. You know, my, my life is surrounded today. Uh, this, you know, this verse, you know, this verse applies to it. Applies, you know, to everybody. You know, doing the work. You know, I'm. Uh, you know, I mean, my advocacy and and relationships. You know, I also have people in my life that have surrendered. You know, there's uh, 
you know, you've had her on your show as a Tanya Doolin. You know, Tanya Doolin is uh, another miracle. And uh, she surrendered. And this is a woman uh, that uh, you, wouldn't bet, you, you wouldn't bet the odds uh, on Tanya Doolin. You know, uh, she's also a victim of, uh, you know, child abuse and, and rape. She was on your show. She's been on your show twice. And then recently I just uh, met another advocate that had a story who's been to prison, and uh, I know she's listening. And uh, I introduced her. It was actually, she came to my life, and I introduced her to Tanya, and her name is uh, Melissa. And uh, I know Melissa's on the show, and Melissa has a similar story, and she was homeless, and uh, she works and she does outreach with the homeless, and she's been taking Tanya down there, and and today she's a nurse, and she gives back. So to wrap this around, you go to that verse, and, and perseverance and character, character gives hope. Hope does not squish shame because God loves being poured onto us. When, when we come from where we come from in our stories, not just a lying story, but thousands of us, right? What we do is we, become, we have to become disciples, and, and we have to give back what's been given to us. You know, and everybody I surround myself with are people that that give back, and they're 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 a part of. You know, we're 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 all we're all part of uh, we're recovery and progress. You know, there'll never be perfection. But I, I do I did want to clarify. No, I'm um, my 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 I, I've been through a lot of therapy, and um, and I've I, I I've been able to direct it, and I and I feel the pain of others. You know, somebody, uh, I have lots of good things coming in my life. You know, I have lots of things, and, you know, Bill could tell you about that, and, you know, you could read about it. And uh, somebody mentioned to me, you know, where my life's at and what I do, whether it's the outreach or articles or I'm getting interviewed. It's about, they'll say, uh, I don't think Lang's ready yet. They'll say, why is that? And they said, well, Lang will never heal. Well, it's a healing's a process, and I think it's a lifetime process. But because of what I do, I don't want to be the individual that that that's able to have a conversation with somebody and say, "Yeah, I wrote a book," or they did a movie, and just have this conversation. And, and why this individual is telling me their story about what happened to them, I always want to be that person that feels, and, and I and I want to be able to feel it so that they can understand it because of the work that I try to do, that they know also that, that, that I can relate and, and, and I also can feel your pain. That, that's a part of my advocacy. And I think that's part of what God's chosen me to do. Wow. Does that make sense? I agree with that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You bet it does. I see people. Girl. They they say, "Yeah, are you there?" Yes, I'm here. Hello. I, uh, huh? I don't know if she, Lori, are you still there? She just moved in today. Lori. Yeah, I'm uh, here. Oh, that's weird. Can you hear me? What was that? Uh, <laughs> I don't not... know what we're hearing. I think it's the Twilight oh. Zone. I hear people. You can't hear me. In. Yeah, I can hear you now. That was yeah, weird. I don't know, I don't what, know what happened. 
That was, I live on like the end of the mountain. Yeah, it was something with the uh, the connection. I'm not really hooked up. I don't think. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that's all right, Lori. That's fine. I'm just glad you're here, and uh, I'm glad you moved into your new place today. And I know you're all excited about that. I, I read a little bit before you online what you know what you said. Yeah. Let's um, let me move down, and because Bill is working, but on the other hand, he might have something he might want to say. Bill, is there something you want to say? Well, yeah, I want to uh, tell Lang I think he's doing a, a different job than he's ever done on the show, and this is refreshing. I can hear the the, the honesty in his voice, and as that's what Laurie's referring to too. And of course, I've known Lang for some time, um, and 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 it is important that we'll get to it that people understand that his life now, when we get to the recovery part, and very recently, you know, has developed into someone who's followed by a lot of activists at this point, uh, especially in the areas he'll talk about in Ventura County. But he has a couple of articles, for example, that we didn't have space for in the, in, in the um, you know, in the show description, but there's some links to them. And I do want to make sure people do read them. But anyway, Lang, you're doing a great job, a really great job, probably better than ever, and I'm really proud of you. And, of course, I love you, Lang. God bless you. Well, I know that you've all, you've always been there for me, Bill. Yeah, you're thick and thin, <laughs> and, and, and there right. has been some thick, there has been some there's been some actually thick moments like life threatening moments in sobriety, but we won't go into that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Gee, why not? I might like it. <laughs> well, no, you you, um, you you could actually you could actually read that article. Uh, we're not going to talk about it. It's called Ventura County Homeless Advocate Seeks Redemption and. I'm seeking some redemption. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to get into all of that in just a few minutes because I think the the audience needs to hear, you know, uh, about which we've got a pretty good idea now from where you came, okay? We know you've been in prison. Um, and what were you in prison for? Do you mind my asking that? I don't know. Yeah, uh, I, I, I've been mostly with uh, – with uh, drugs and alcohol, I, I did go to prison. Uh, I, I went to prison. Uh, it was quite a while ago. I did go to a prison for uh, spousal abuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. I was caught up in that in a, in a marriage, and uh, you know I've talked about that. And uh, my my past wife was able to elaborate in some of those things in regards to some of my writings. So I've 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 been honest with that as well. You know. So I am a recovery, recovering drug addict. Uh, I did hit my wife. I did go to jail for it. Um, I, I was a thief. I've, uh, I've shut down freeways. I've got helicopters chasing me. I, right. Exciting. You know, <laughs> well, well, you know, you know, it, it, Bill remembers, uh, I think I called Bill about it. And uh, I was reading an article in the L.A. Times in the La Crescenta, and uh, in the newspaper, it said that I hit an old couple in a high-speed pursuit, and uh, it floored me. I start crying. I, I didn't read that before. And uh, I remember we reached out to the newspaper, and uh, I wanted to find out what happened to these individuals. And uh, the newspaper reached out back to a friend of mine named Adam Vega, and they said they'd like to interview. They'd like to interview me, but it would be an upfront interview. And I actually was able to make an amends to quite a few people, schools and lockdowns and 
I, 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 there was an article that was written. It was called an apology to the community. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Um, okay, you went to prison. You did your time. Um, you, you know, you were abusive. And a lot of times, I'm not going to make excuses for people who are abusive, because um, I've been at the wrong end of that abuse. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's why. But on the other yeah. hand, you you realize, you know, that, you know, it was the alcohol, the drugs, and all the things that you're into, and maybe even a little bit of part of your nature, because we get very angry, you know, when, when we've gone through so many things in our lives, and, and that can make us be, you know, people who uh, become assaultive and, and so forth, along with the, the, the drug abuse and what we, our fabric, as I like to call it, our fabric, right. in other words, meaning what we grew up in, what we came to know, yeah. and what we had to right. change, and it's just like a, right. it blows your mind. Um, well, let me let me go down to uh, Philip here because he hasn't had a chance to speak yet. Go ahead, Philip. Philip, are you there? He may just want to. Um, he may just want to uh, listen. Sometimes he wants to talk, and other times he wants to listen. Yeah. So that's okay. Um, but, you know, I'll go back to him, though, to give him another chance. Tell us what, and I know what this is also, but tell us what it's like being homeless. What were you like during those times when you were homeless? Um, you were on the street, okay. Uh, what were you doing on the street? Well, you know, I, I, on the streets, I, I was caught up in, in, in you know, in, in to my, you know, my addiction. I was caught up in to surviving any way I knew how, you know, to get to get my poison. Uh, you know, I, I lived, uh, I'd stay at churches, I'd stay in trash can and cabinets. You know, what, what I like, to, what, 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 I, what I think I like to do, Carol, is, is you know, there, there are a few shows that, that I've done, and there's quite a few articles. You know, mm-hmm. you know one of the things that, 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 you know, the listeners, and I know, you know, the, those that are listening is that, you know, my advocacy and, and, and what I do and the people that are part of my life or uh, the people that keep, try to keep me on track are, are the people that are, are you know, are, are recovery, you know, recovery people and, and people that work programs, people that go to church. You know, I have quite a few of those people. But my story and, and my articles have always been about, about lying. And there, there are so many lines out there. You know, and and, and and me being me being involved in the in the homeless situation right now that I have been for the last four years. You know, we we've kind of, we've kind of, when it comes to me, we try to change it up to where the story's about what's going on with them and and, and their lives and, and 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 what we need to do about it as a society. You know, I, I just wrote an article and it was called Vagrancy versus Homelessness and the millions of dollars being spent. So my, my advocacy, talk, you know, my advocacy is about those that are, that are suffering and about those that we want to use the political terms, you know, unhoused, you know. And, and, it's, a, and it's, a big, it's a big conversation right now. You know, it's right. a big, yeah. big conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Because the society and those that are listening need to understand that, that, that you know, statistics show that um, – a high percentage of people that are caught up in homelessness and addiction have also been sexually abused and they've been raped too. You know, there's a cause and effect. 
you know, I, I like, you know, my advocacy, you know, when I met with Tanya or I or met with other women and, and stuff like that, you know, one of the things that I, I like to talk about is, uh, it's about what's going, it's, it's about those right now understanding about what a woman goes through being homeless. What was the cause and effect for that individual to cause them to get to that point to where they were on the streets or doing what they did in order to survive? You know, what, what it takes for a woman to come out of homelessness, what it, what it, comes, what it comes to for a woman, the, the moment of clarity and have the clarity and to be able to live with the guilt and shame. Uh, it, it's easier, I believe it's much easier, and I think the statistics are higher for us men than it is for the women out there in those encampments that are caught up in homelessness, you know. And I, I met some, I met some women uh, that 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 have been through it, and and, and they were an inspiration to me because I I I can I can tell you my story, but to hear their stories, you know, it 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 it, it really blows me away, you know. I I I I met two of the the most amazing women, you know, the ones in my life, and is uh, is Tanya Doolin, and uh, her name's Melissa, and uh, and. and and, and and these two women are, are, are true true miracles and they, they both came out of situations that that only they could tell that story. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, society right now has, has uh they don't understand, you know, I, I wrote it all these these two articles that have that have caused quite a bit of noise and uh it talks about transparency, it talks about accountability, it, t- it talks about, you know, where the money's going, it talks about the housing first concept that 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 coming out of uh, out of homelessness, coming out of vagrancy, coming out of addiction, coming out of trauma, is a lot more. There's a lot more to it than just handing somebody a set of keys and saying, "Here's your apartment." I mean, you, you know, you know. I wrote these articles, and recently I uh, I received some phone calls. I received a letter from the mayor of uh, Santa Barbara. And I know there's a couple of people from Santa Barbara listening. I'd like to do a shout out. And there's a lady that I talked to the other day, Catherine, and uh, a few people in Santa Barbara. And uh, and, the, and the mayor reached out to me. I'm going to be meeting with him at the end of the month. And the work that they're doing at Santa Barbara is outstanding. I, I've had conversations, and uh, there's real people out there caring about a real problem, trying to get to real solutions. Uh, they're still caught up on, you know, the housing first model. And we've had discussions of what we talk about in regards to housing first as far as the transition and needing help. And then you talk to people that not aren't like us. And I was talking to a lady yesterday, and I'll even do a shout-out to her. Her name's Catherine. And uh, we had a long conversation, and uh, I was telling her my story. And at the end of my story, she basically said that, you know, I, I needed some, you know, I deserve an apartment well, you know what, I, I disagreed with her, and, you know, she said she was sorry for what happened to me, and I don't want you to be sorry for what happened to me. You know, I, I'm doing something about it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm aware that I didn't play a part, and I'm accountable, and I'm responsible for the life that I have today. Mm-hmm. You know, when we talk about, when we talk about the homeless community, we, we need to talk about programs. Mm-hmm. Well, we need to talk about mental health. We need funding for mental health. And we also need to talk about one of the biggest things we don't talk about in California is we don't talk about job training. We don't talk about job training. 
we, we got individuals in, in, in government and, and, and individuals that, that are trying to be a part of the solution, and God bless them doing the best that they can. They really don't know. Uh, but, but we need to start talking about those things, you know. I'm involved, like, with my church, and I talk to other churches. And, and you know, you, you don't, you know, I, I'm capable of working, right? Right now I'm, I, I have some health issues, right? I'm responsible for, 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 for how I take care of Lang. I'm responsible for my, my, my recovery. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm responsible for my accountability, but what's happened in, in California, I can only speak for California, is, or, is that the, the housing first concept and, and to give people that are suffering caught up in addiction and stuff like that and just to give them an apartment is, is, is absolutely not the right thing to, to do, I don't believe. You know, one of the things that, that people need to understand is it's a bad thing is that it goes all the way back to the Bible is when I wrote the article, Vagrancy versus Homelessness, or I wrote those one in the BC Report article about being transparency, uh, there was a part in the article where uh, our city manager out here in, in Oxnard made a comment in one of my articles. He said, wouldn't they be better off in their own house, sitting on their own couch and using? So I hope everybody heard what I said. His name's Emilio Ramirez. Yeah. Right. He's insane. He does not know. He has no idea yeah. what he doesn't know. Right. You know, pro- Project Room you, you know, I talked about. Hold on a second there, Lang. Lang, hold on a second. When, look, I, I was working in New York City with uh, the homeless, with a, a church group. Right? Yeah. And we, we were, and um, boy, they were always happy to see us come because we had food, we had all kinds of things that they needed, you know. <laughs> Well, even um, toiletries, you name it, we had it, okay? And it was yeah. called the Midnight Run. You might want to look that up, the Midnight Run. Yeah, it's not I did. Okay, so now here's the problem. Um, we gave them all kinds of things for that night, the nights that we were scheduled to go there. And they were so happy, and, and, and they were very respectable. There was only one time that someone got out of line who was standing in line, okay, to be served. We even gave them clothing, you name it. Um, a lot of it was donated, and a lot of it was brand new from Walmart, okay? It, that's just the way it was. So uh, they certainly waited for us to show, to show up. But the problem is, when we're gone, the homeless problem doesn't get solved, okay? Something something has to be done. Now, the ignoramus you're just talking about, we said wouldn't it be good if they were in their home and, and shooting up and all this other stuff? doesn't know anything, okay? They don't know anything about that individual or those individuals, where they came from. And um, there's even vets out on the street. Now, you know that. They serve right. their country. They came home with terrible PTSD and some other issues. And uh, their family couldn't take care of them. Well, evidently, we see the vets even, uh, they don't, uh, in the hospitals and the, and the programs that they have, they're not doing their job because these people are out on the street, okay? So right. when you see these things, it's a matter of, you know, people caring, too, those who are in power, sure. those who are yeah. in administration where they can make a change. Because whether it be California, whether it be uh, New York, or, or I don't care where the heck you want to call it, any urban area, big urban areas, 
You're going to find homeless people, and that's a shame, okay? We're supposed sure. to be a country that is, is wealthy and all this other stuff, and we have all these other problems, the drugs, like, like uh, Lori was just talking about. Um, but they're talking about the fentanyl. That's such a big thing. It's a terrible thing. It's in our country. And young people and older people up to age in the 50s are using this for their drugs, and they're dying. Now, we have so much that needs to be you know, addressed in our own country. We have no business dealing with other countries. And uh, I could go on and on, and I'm probably going to be on a show soon that's very political. Um, they've asked me and it several times, and I might just simply do it, see what it's like to be on this show for one night. But um, the point is this. Um, we need solutions. So what happens is you go out there, and, and you say here, and I find this to be interesting. It says here, being homeless and being a vagrant are two completely different sets of problems. Give us an example of what you're saying that. Well, being, 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 being well, there's, well, you know, I, I just got done in a, in a big discussion with some, uh, some officials in Ventura County and uh, in regards to me writing that article, uh, or two different. So there's two identifying groups out there right now. People want to use the politically correct word unhoused, and I, I, I've taken a lot of heat for using the word vagrant or, or vagrancy. So I'll get to that. And there are definitions for that for vagrant. And there are also there's three different definitions. There's vagrancy, there's homeless, and there's homelessness. There's there's mm-hmm. definitions. Those and those are those are Webster. When you were talking about. Um, We'll hit on that. We'll get to that in a second. So I was in, I was in, I was at council in Ventura County, and Ventura County, you know, didn't like me making the word vagrant. But before before that, before I was able to speak at council, they were talking about low income. They were talking about uh, uh, people making so much money. They were talking about young mothers, single fathers, single mothers, uh, people losing their jobs. Uh, house being sold uh, from underneath them as they were renting, you know, nothing to protect them. Those, those individuals fall in the class, what I call housing first model, and the housing first model in regards to talking about those individuals is definitely a comprehensive solution for that, I agree. Vagrant, vagrancy is situation when we, when we, when we take the vagrant and, and we want to we compile it and put it all under the umbrella of individuals that are actually homeless because because of things of, that aren't of their control, right? I, I think that's wrong. I, I don't think we should be grouping up every everybody that's unhoused and put them under the umbrella. There's two. There is two identifying groups out there. I was one of them. I was one of them. I'm, I'm a drug addict, right? I'm a, I'm a drug addict. I'm alcoholic. I'm all that. Now you you were talking about those people that you were talking about. And I'll, I'll make. And I, I, you know, we can always agree to disagree, but you were talking about those people in New York and, and you bringing them stuff and, and stuff like that and, you know, waiting for you and all that other stuff. Well, you know what? I, I tell you what, uh, I, I asked counsel, uh, I'm going to go, it'll make sense. I'll go back to what I just said and what you said. I said to counsel, I said, you know, I said, we got those people begging. We got those people down, down in different areas and they're homeless and, and, and 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 you give them something. What's the first thing that they say to you? I don't I don't know. Like you tell me, no. They say God bless you. 
Oh, a homeless okay. person. Well, I, heard, a homeless... I heard thank you. <laughs> I don't know. Well, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, 90, 90% of them will say, God bless you. 90% of those people caught up in vagrancy will do anything to get what they want. They'll lie, cheat, right. steal, they'll get whatever they want. If you're standing right. in line and, you, and you're caught up, you're caught up in, in vagrancy, right, vagrancy, not as somebody that's suffering from homelessness, because of what we just talked about, and if there's right. ten items, if there's ten items to get, to, if there's ten items to give out, and, and I'm standing in line and I'm number nine, I'm going to get both those items. Number ten ain't going to get nothing. That's right. vagrancy. And, and okay. when I'm done getting those two, I'm going I'm to turn around and tell that person I'm sorry. There, 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 there was only nine, and then I'm the person that had to be the extra two. I'm going to say God bless you. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I think. Oh, of course. But I, to me, I'm a born-again Christian, so that makes sense to me. But you see, there's a lot of people out there that do blame God, you know, and, and they don't, when you start to talk to them about God coming into their life and all this other stuff, they don't want to hear that. They'll tell you they'll tell you where to go. <laughs> okay. I've run a course Well, that. you know. And, you know. You know I, we know this. We know this. This happens. We know this. Um, but it's because they're so they haven't even started the healing journey because many of them, yes, many of them are alcohol, drug addicts, and all this other stuff. But you have to go back if you're going to go to a true healing. You're going to therapy. Those people need therapy. They need uh, well, sure. they need housing. They need housing. But well, let's talk about the shelters. Let's talk about the shelters. We're talking about yeah. Well, there's shelters. There is shelters. But let me ask you this. You know, it's mm-hmm. another thing. See, I, I'm a different kind. Of, I'm a different kind of advocate because I've been there. I am a homeless right. advocate, and I am I am right. a voice, and and, I, and the voice that I, that I try to speak, I do the best to to make mm-hmm. sure that things come out godlike because I I do know, and it's not that I don't have sympathy and empathy, and I don't feel your pain, but but mm-hmm. I was talking to a gentleman here because we're spending so much money here in Oxnard, and I was talking to a Bert Perello. And he met with me, and we, we didn't meet with me. I, I cornered him, I do. And we were having a conversation, and I said, uh, you know, we got a lot of beds available at the shelter. So we have the highest number of homeless in this area, and the shelter that we're paying $3.1 million for, for low barrier. We have 80 individuals, which breaks down to $3,150 per individual in, 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 in that shelter. And he said, the shelter is not full. And I said, well, why, Bert? And he says, well, you know what, I'll tell you why, because he's a politician. They don't like to answer me because I'll write about it. And I said, why is that, Bert? And he says, because they don't like to follow rules. They don't like to follow rules. Mm-hmm. I go, now you just made my point. He goes, what do you mean, Lang? I go, did you just hear what I said? So we have 800,000 homeless here in Oxnard. Let's just talk about Oxnard. We only got 80 beds in a shelter, but we got, we got 10 or 11 beds available. And we got other areas. We got the rescue mission. And he said they don't like to follow rules. Then you have people talking about the housing first part and, and apartment and people talking about it and say people don't like to live in dorm situation. People don't like to be told what to do. People don't like to do that. People need their own place. And I said, are you crazy? I go, it all starts, it all starts with understanding that the reason that we're in the situation that we're in is because we don't follow rules, we don't take a direction, and we're not willing to listen. And another thing that happened to me that it might make sense is I got, a, I got an email from a lady in Santa Barbara. I'm not going to mention her name. She's an author. She's writing a book. And uh, she reached out to me, and she mentioned to me that uh, she's writing this chapter about this woman that she met on State Street, and I have some advice and stuff like that. We got into a conversation and wanted me to tell her about what I did. I said I, I surrendered, and I surrendered. 
Well, the comment was this. Like all the homeless people know about God, and they do. Homeless, homeless people that are caught up in, in, in the situation where I'm in, they can spit Bible verses all day long. Mm-hmm. So, so the question was, like, you surrendered to God and, and God saved your life. What about them? And, and I didn't have an answer, and I had to talk to my pastor, and the answer was that it's just more than being able to spit out Bible verses, and it's just more yeah. to say the words. It's about really surrendering to God and doing the work. It's a lot more to it. So, so in regard to the people or or the people that I'm involved with that believe God that that come from the same place or we're in the program and our higher power, right? We surrendered and we did the work. We surrendered and we did the work. We did God's work, right? Anybody right. can spit out Bible verses. It's a lot more than that. That's right. But one one thing I do want to point out. With some of the, sh- the the shelters, because I, I was going to work on one, and I was really, you know, doing a lot of research and going into the shelters, and, and possibly as being a person that was going to work in a shelter, there are a lot of people that go into these shelters, okay, like um, in New York, which is where I was more interested in, and uh, they, they're actually scared that people are going to take their things. And I'm not talking about the few people who are working in the shelter. I'm talking about the population of the shelter, okay? And, um, okay, if you go in, the first thing they have to do is uh, make sure you don't have drugs and alcohol on you, all right? Sure. And that's why you have to have more than one person working there, all right? And um, I would do, you know, work with the women, and then there'd be men to work with the men as far as body search because we don't want alcohol and drugs inside of the shelter. Um, that has to stay outside. Number two, um, the little bits they have. So so often we see homeless people walking around, you know, with the carriages from stores, okay? They're, they they sure. take one, they took it, and, and they take off with it. And that's what they have their belongings in are these types of, of things. And they're afraid to put them inside of the shelter because when, if God forbid, if they go to sleep, then someone's going to go and take some of their belongings that they've gotten one way or another, you know, from their carriage. So there's a lot of that going on, too. And that's why some of the people, not all of them, but that's why some of the people prefer to stay out on the streets or in empty buildings, um, wherever they can find some sort, you know, of shelter. They look for that. If they can't, then they have their tents, as you see, out on the streets to try and, you know, have a little shelter. So it's a, it's really a problem. It's, it's a terrible problem. And you're right. A lot of them don't want to listen. They're not disciplined people. They were never taught discipline as they were growing up. They had to fend for themselves, so they're their own boss. So therefore, don't tell me what to do. They have this attitude. I know it all too well. Hmm. So, you see, it's it's people people have to understand them better. They have to understand the homeless better. But I still think a lot more could be done, you know, to to clean up the streets, if you want to put it that way, um, to yeah. find some kind of housing somehow, somewhere, uh, so they're not on the streets. Is that the answer? No, because some of the people you put in the housing, they tried that in New York, some of the people you put in the housing, um, they actually are so arrogant, 
okay, and rude and crude, that uh, they still go outside, do what they do, cop their drugs, and then they want to go in back into that house that was supplied to them so that they could right. have a roof over their head. And that would be the empty buildings, okay? They tried that. It's a real major problem. It goes down to the individual, uh, if that individual can be worked with, okay? Now, you're the right. type of guy, you found God. And, and God is in your soul, he's in your heart, he's, he's uh, you know, and, and not only do you speak about God, but you believe in God, and you're doing God's work. But unfortunately, with the homeless population, um, they may be able to, uh, you know, talk about all different things in the Bible and, and read off passages and talk about different psalms and, and all this other stuff, but they don't have God in their heart. They're just trying to sound good, and that's true. So uh, then you, say, you know, no. No, go ahead, man. Go ahead. Well, you know, you say, I was talking to. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, girl. You, you first. No, you go ahead. This is your show. I'm telling you to go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. I get called a lot of things. I get called a lot of things. I even been called the goat head. You should hear some of the other stuff I get called. Bill will tell you. <laughs> it's not good. I, I get called. I, oh yeah. I'm all kinds of names. You know, I was talking to my pastor, and uh, and it was funny. It, it, you know, it, it was a big thing in the beginning for me with the ego. How come you lay? Why you lay? Why you different lay? You know, when I came from the program, because how bad my situation was, and, and I was talking to a, I was talking to a, my pastor before I came on today, and then I was talking to a lady in in, in Santa Barbara that's doing good work, and uh, I, I have a lot of respect for what they're doing out there. And uh, my article hit out there, so, yeah, it's long. We, we don't have time for that. So I was telling, the lady was telling me, he goes, like, you got, you've had sobriety three times five years. You're a survivor. You've been to prison, you know, and, uh, you know, you're going on 60. And, uh, you know, the odds of you to where you're at today are like zero, zero, zero point zero and something. And I, I've heard that. You know, Lang, you shouldn't be here. Lang this, Lang that, Lang that. You know, getting sober at 55, and I'm going on 60 now, I'm going on five years. By the grace of God, go I. And, and I, used to, I used to be the ego part to where I'd say, yeah, I'm like Martinez, you're right. I'm like the lotto, buddy. I'm lying. But you know what? I was talking to my pastor tonight, and my pastor was talking about the two articles that I wrote. You know, it's a different brand for me where I'm at now instead of talking about the lag or the nobody knows what me series. It's about other people and getting into their story, and it's getting into really trying to do the best I can to do God's work, which I always I don't always put him first. I put lag first, and that's wrong. Is that is that when we were talking about those odds and those statistics, I have to remember that I make comments – and some of my writings are something, or people that help write for me, and, and I really looked at it, and, and, and it wasn't my writing because I've been fortunate that I have you know people that help me write and stuff like that. And in this, it said in, in some of my articles, it says if Lang believes that he can, if Lang can do it, he believes that anybody can do it too. And I, I was reading that, and then I was talking to my pastor. I go, you know what? God, God surrendering, putting in the work is a hundred percent. So, so if I fall into a category uh, of, you know, the old dog, you know, new tricks, or I fall into the category of less likely or the odds, but I'm doing it and how I'm doing it, then that does mean that anybody else can do it. 
That does mean that. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I believe I that. So I, I do too. Yeah. I was, you know, on, some people, I was on the streets for I was on the streets for a short amount of time. I didn't like the cold weather. Okay, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And, and and not you know. Okay, I was being abused at home. Um, all these terrible things were happening in the house, and of course nobody knew it because my mother was a narcissist and she'd go outside. She was even collecting for the um, the Red Cross for God's sake. She'd go to house to house to house. They'd give her coffee, coffee, coffee. She'd come home. <laughs> Put with lots right. of money for the Red Cross and all this other stuff. Well, they thought she was wonderful. But you go right. behind closed doors, and there's another story that takes place. This is what happens to many of us, okay? Right. Um, whether it be with narcissism, you know, or, or whatever, whatever the parent, mental health is, is so important. It's an uh, sure. important factor in the house. And those people out on the street, many of them are mentally ill. Well, I used well, sure, to work in Greystone Psychiatric, and, and that closed sure. down. Well, a whole bunch sure. of them closed down, all right? No. So where do those people go? They, right. they have no home. So they end up, you right. see, there's a story behind this with, the, you know, with people out on the street. Absolutely. Those who are mentally ill, um, sure. they have no home, okay? So right. what category do you put them in? They have no home because okay. they have no place to go. Would they be homeless or are they being a vagrant? Well, well, you got you got what they what we call in the new term instead of is is, is dual diagnosis. We got what we call co-occurring disorders. So I, I know mm-hmm. there's a lot there are a lot of people listening. So I want to clarify something that I might. Yeah. There are there are those individuals that are not capable of not having what we call the moment of clarity, and you know what I'm talking about. Yes, yes. there are those individuals. When we talk about co-occurring disorders, we're talking mild, moderate. Severe. So my mental, my mental is PS, PTSD. So it would be moderate. It, it, it wouldn't be mild. It'd be moderate. My addiction, it was severe. So I fall in, right, there's a category for that. So the individuals that you're talking about, right, some of those, those individuals, there should be a hospital or a place that those people should be put into. They should be put into. Right, and some of those yeah. people wouldn't even be able to carry, take care of their own, be able to carry, take care of themselves in their own home. You know, they they wouldn't be able to. So, so a housing first concept. We got to be careful what we're talking about. We we need we need hospitals. We need facilities to facilitate those people. In, in regard to the addicts or, or the other ones like us, you know, the co-occurring, the mental, or or, or people suffering. We, we need we need programs. We need places where they can get stability. You know, the problem with, with government right now, Carol and Bill, is this, is that if, if, if I'm on drugs, because I, I, do, I do have mental problems, and I've been honest about that, I do fall in the category of co-occurring. Are you there? Mm-hmm. I'm here, yeah. Are you there? Right. So, so, so because, because I fall, fall, fall in that, 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 that category, right, and being on methamphetamine and these drugs, and we're dealing with a person that's got this stuff in their system and the psychosis, and it's just messing up people, and it's causing more and intensifying the mental health issues. We've got to be able to facilitate, whether it's Lang Martinez or the other person, and be able to have professionals to determine a time that they need in order to find out what they actually need, what, what the mental health problem is, and what we need to do in order to try to rehabilitate that individual because they go hand in hand. Would you agree? 
Yes. Oh, that there he is. That's it right there. You see. Sure. We speak about the homeless, and and you were talking so much about the homeless and your work and and all this other stuff. A lot of them do have mental issues, and that means oh, absolutely, to be all of us. Too. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Because, um, quite frankly, if I I had to be worked on too, I had to go and see psychologists and so forth. Um, because sure. I had mental issues, all right? I, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I I, did, I couldn't tell you what I was going to do with my life. I was just too nuts. And I was putting right. myself in risky behavior, like is mentioned here. We do that, okay? That's right. just something we're notorious for. And uh, right. for God's sake, I, ride, I was riding a lot of bikes. I love motorcycles even to this day. But I have a can of beer sure. in my hand. Glug, glug, glug. Sure. <laughs> we're going down the right. street. That's kind of risky, man. I could have fallen off, okay? I was drunk. Right. But I had a good time. I remember that. But, you know, it's right. like, um, you know, we who have been through so much in our lives, we have to heal. We have to heal. And as we're healing, you know, as we're on, uh, we're on the, the, the road to healing, um, we then can start to, you know, advocate, you know, and, and help people. And all this other stuff. I wrote a book. A lot of people write books. A lot of people are artists. A lot of people make music. You know, they, um, you know, they, they make songs and stuff. A lot of people go out in different programs. And, uh, you know, they, they form programs and all this other stuff because they walked the walk. Okay. Sure. And a lot of right. us do end up going to school, so we learn also what's being taught in school, and then we find right. out too that a lot of times we know more than the professors because they didn't walk right. the walk. Okay. Right. So, um, and they can't talk the talk because they didn't walk the walk. So you right. see what's going on here with the homeless. Many of them, all of them, maybe, I don't know what the percentage is to put a percentage number on that because I don't like doing that. I had a, a kid standing next to me. He couldn't have been more, this is in New York, he couldn't have been more, more than, uh, I don't know, 21 or 22. And he was just looking, looking at me, looking at me, looking at sure. me. And it, it broke my heart, okay? I have children a lot older than him. And I'm thinking to myself, my God, what can I do for this kid? What can I do for this right. kid? And I realized as I was looking at him, I recognized him. He was my nephew. Wow. From a marriage. I'm sorry. Okay. Not not right. not blood. Okay, but from a marriage. And he recognized me, but I didn't recognize him right away. He he was so different. Right. He'd been right. on the street for a while and all that. I don't have to right. tell you about the weathering of the skin and all this other stuff. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. He was so different. Yeah, that all. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I approached him. Of course, I gave him food and stuff, and um, whatever, whatever he wanted off the truck. We had vans, we had trucks, we had everything. This is how big uh, that organization was, which is not now today the same. But I gave him everything he needed, and then we had to sit down and talk. But there wasn't anything right. I could do with him. He was right. just so, I don't like to say hopeless, right. but he wasn't in the right mind to get help sure. because he still wanted, right. at his point, he wanted to be on the street. Right. You see, there's a certain population of people who want to be on the street, too. They well, want yeah, they to be on the that, street. Right. That, that's they get their, money, that's too, their, don't they? Yeah. Go we, ahead. Yeah, they get money. Yeah, sure. I mean, most of the majority of the homeless people find it advantageous to be homeless. And what's happened is 
government is trying to come up with a solution uh, of housing first. I mean, how many houses? I mean, how many houses can we build? You know what I mean? How many places can we put them into? You know, I'd like right. to, you know, because I know we're running out of time. Is uh, one, one of the things is that I'd like to do a shout-out to Lorenzo Castillo. I happen to be at a facility. Uh, this gentleman has 80 beds, and he takes in people that, that, that have mental health issues with, the, with Ventura County. Uh, I recently, because of my, my situation, my business has been, and uh, Lorenzo Castillo, I have my own place at his place, and th- there's people here that, 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 that his place that, that, are, that are being taken care of, and they're doing the stuff. They go to meetings. They take care of themselves, and his name's Lorenzo right. Castillo. does a big work out here. Another thing that I'd like to say, because I know, you know, that I'm being listened to very carefully today because of the articles that I know that, so I want to clarify something that I haven't yet, is that sober livings, sober livings, sober livings have, have created and, and given opportunities to so many of us. So you can go into a sober living and abide by the rules and connect yourself with services that are available and, and do what we call do the do. You know, do, do, do this and, and transition into your own life and get your own houses. The problem here in Ventura County, and I believe in anywhere, is there is was some stuff that was written about me. I don't mean to go about me, but I have a platform. It says, Lane Martinez is our validation in Ventura County of what it takes to come out of homelessness and addiction to get your life back on track and what resources are needed. So it says that about me. The problem is, is that they don't want to come to me and say, what is it that Lane does? They don't want to come to thousands of us in Ventura County, Santa Barbara County, or L.A. County and say, what did you do, Johnny? What did you do, Tanya? What did you do, Bill? What did you do, Carol? They don't want to go to us for solutions. They want to put on suits. They want to get these degrees, and they, they think they know. They don't want to talk to the police. They don't want to do nothing. They think that they got this. They don't have this. People, people that came from where we came from, we know. And the problem is, is that there is no solution. You know, I was involved in it. When I was living in L.A., Bill knew it. I was involved in a lot of stuff. I was offered money to be a part of something to write some stuff in regards to a comprehensive solution. And I said, no, I will not. We're not going to put my name on a comprehensive saying that there's a solution because they're not the solution. It's about that one. Homelessness is an epidemic. Homelessness is going to get worse. Homelessness is something that we're going to have to accept. You can never build enough houses to put anybody in, right? Whether you're sitting on your, rather be sitting on your couch and using in your own place, it doesn't exist. We, we're never going to be able to do that. What we do is we have, we have, a, we have, we don't have state hospitals. You know, drugs yeah. are, are, are the problem. I mean, law enforcement, their hands are tied. You know, I, I, I did 15 years in prison. I had handcuffs put on me 65 times, and I thank those officers. I love Oxnard PD for believing in me. I love Oxnard PD and some of the officers that are proud of me and that are with me, and, and, and it's like I'm a validation of what they hope for and what they, and what they wish for me or for they wish for us because there are some beautiful, you know, police officers that do this. But the problem, like I said, to go back to it, there's thousands, there's millions of us that are in recovery. 
There, there's there's lots of Lorenzo's legs, Carol's. Bill knows that. There's lots of us, and, and we all we all started somewhere in our recovery because we took accountability and we wanted it and we surrendered and we knew this is not what we wanted. These individuals out there that we want to give free rides to, what they choose is what they choose. The majority of them, and there's nothing's going to change that, and nothing's going to fix that unless they make the decision. And there's nothing going to help those that need to be facilitized in mental health hospitals unless we do something about that and understand that. Unless our focus is on the one and then we go to two, there's nothing, nothing's going to change. It's going to get worse. And it has to be about that one. And when we're on the phone tonight, it's about that one. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. That's right. One at a time, one at a time, one at a time. And But right now, you know, the people that are, are, you know, in control or they think they're in control or they think they're in the know, I should say. Like you said, they're not in the know. <laughs> they don't have the faintest idea. No. So no. I think that's part of the problem why there's no solution. I mean, uh, no. they walk around all fancy and thinking that they're, they, you know, know everything no. and they don't know anything, like you said. And they don't know. No, they, don't. they don't know any of those things that you just said. You know, there's no. all different ways of looking at the mental, um, and then also the attitude, like I mentioned before, of the people meaning right. that they want to be in a different place in their life. Okay, this right. is what happened to them. But um, I'm not out on the street today. Neither are you. Thank God. No. I'm, you know. You no. know, it's because we wanted better for our lives. You have to work for it, right. and that's what you were saying. You have to work for it. And and a lot right. of people just don't want to do the work. They'd rather just get high, okay? So right. that's that's bad, all right? right? So you're going to have these people whining we, all over the street, and, and we shouldn't right. give them money. That, if there's right. not no. a solution, they go out and they get more more stuff, don't they? <laughs> Huh? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, we, we got we got this one gentleman out here in Oxnard. His name's Gabe Turan. Uh, Gabe Turan's very educated, very bright, very articulate individual, a young man. He's sitting on the city council. I have respect mm-hmm. for Gabe Turan, but you know, Gabe Turan and I got into a conversation, and uh, Mr. Turan says think he he told me that he thinks Oxnard is doing far more than any city, you know, in the in the county here, you know, out of the ten best, you know. He said, what funding sources, you know. How much each, you know, when we're talking about funding sources, what sources, you know, are we speaking about? You know, and then we asked the guy, I would ask him the question, you know, how much is coming from the general fund? You know, what positive results can, can any city, let alone Oxnard, show the residents to justify the current spending from all sources? You know, how many homelessness, how many people that are caught up in homelessness has actually gained, you know, permanent housing? or how many of them have gotten, you know, show permanent employment. You know, in regards to the HUD vouchers, you know, how many have been used, you know, are they reported, you know? You know, how many people have actually gotten the temporary housing? How many nights has a person annually been into emergency shelter? You know, they don't want to break down. Government doesn't want to break it down. They want to say, we're doing a good thing, you know? And here in Ventura, in Ventura itself, you know, they make the claim in Oxnard, they're number one. You know, Ventura County, you know, they had what they call a cold weather shelter. You know, Oxnard for years, with all the millions of dollars, we haven't, you know, we haven't had a cold weather shower. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. all they do is, 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 is they want to put a band-aid with the money, and, and they want to say, we're doing a good job because we got, we got the biggest bankroll, you know. And, 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 and it's sad that they look like, you know, we want to talk about supportive and all this other stuff. Support what? We're spending what? You know, I was doing a breakdown, Carol, 
and another gentleman that he's listening to, his name is Doug Bartello. And, you know, room mm-hmm. key, people say, well, people need this, you know, this, this, this room key. Now we're talking about, you know, we're talking about market rates. We're talking about people, you know, other people causing effect, you know, what I'm talking about, my own house or the other types of piece. You know, hotel room key, home key, room key is $102.50 a day for a voucher. So you got $102.50, $102.50 a day for the voucher. Then you got the, then you got, then you have the food. Then you got the wraparound services. Then you have the police calls. And then you have the damages to the hotel. That one individual, right, not yeah. all, I want to clarify, not all, but the majority, That's right. Co- mm-hmm. right, cost approximately the taxpayer about $5,000 a month for that one individual, between 4000 to 5000 and, and And we're spending that money when other people can't afford, other people that are part of the community making, making the minimum wage can't afford it. And we want to put individuals caught up in vagrancy that are lawbreakers and put them in the hotel in, in the room key, and, and we want to justify that $5,000 spending. So because Lang, they don't want to live in a situation without – Lang. Yeah. I wish you could talk for two more hours. I really do because you're very, very interesting. And uh, I think people are learning people are learning a lot from what you're saying tonight. There are homeless people – the show's over. There are homeless people out there that need help, want help, and that might be those who are mentally ill and certainly the, the veterans. And then you have the other side, okay, and this is what you're talking about. I saw a guy yes. with a roll of decks of bills, not cards, bills. Bad. And he was, <laughs> that was in California, by the way, in San Francisco. Yeah. Listen, you are a wonderful guest. I want to thank our panel that came on, and those, I know there was a lot of people listening. Um, I love talking to you. I, I, because we know some of the same things, and, and uh, also, too, I learned a lot more tonight just by talking to you. But uh, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. I love your passion. Yes. We all do. And you're doing a fine job. We have 10 seconds, so I don't even have time to have you, you know, give people hope or whatever you want to say to them um, because the show is now over and the light went off the top. So please do come back again because I want to learn more from what you have to say, okay? Yes, ma'am. Just remember, there's hope for everybody when you're talking about God. You know that. I know that. And now people have heard you say that. So I want to thank you so much for coming on this show. And the show is over. And um, I'm going to talk to you again, okay? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Good night, everyone. We'll be back on Monday. Yes, Thank you, Lane. God bless you. Yeah. After all that you've done, another tomorrow. Love Talk Radio.